Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. I'm Marcy. And this is another in an ongoing series of special episodes in the Roadhouse Cinematic Universe. We have so we have we've left the Sam Elliott uh, period behind, and we're 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 venturing into some choppy waters, listeners. We're going to be exploring the films of Kelly Lynch with a a really a cinematic classic, the 1988 Tom Cruise vehicle cocktail. And I could think of no better person, you know, perhaps the, you know, it, it, it's really nice. We, ha- we, ha- we have not a bartender, uh, but I believe a bouncer to come on uh, and a, a podcaster of, of uh, lots of renowned. Uh, you may know him from Deep Lucy, the podcast, Con Air, the podcast, his own podcast, movies, films, and flicks. It's Mark Hoffmeyer. How are you doing, Mark? Oh, thank you. This is, I'm so happy to be back for cocktail. And it, it kind of makes me want to open my own bar called Beers and Blues. Where it's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a cocktail guy. I'm like a whiskey and beer. So beers and blues. You'll just listen to really sad music, sit at the bar, mumble to yourself. Do you, you know, think just, bar I, names are better if it's blank and blank? Like cocktails <laughs> and dreams, beers and, and blues? Marcy, if you were going to open a bar and it had to be called something and something, what would you name it? Um, oh, gosh, you just put me on the spot. Yeah, that's a I tough know. one. Uh, Rogers and Riots. What? Whoa. No, that's not like, very like good there would at be all. like there would be multiples of me. Multiple Rogers with a riots. Oh, I like that. How about <laughs> how about quilting and tea? Well, I would not want to bounce at a bar with a riot in the name. Oh, but right. I would go there, but I would go there for sure. You told us some bartending stories. I think the last time you were on um, Roadhouse Minute from your from your rough and tumble days down in Florida. I think. Oh yeah, I mean there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's you know no they... fight there's no fighting in this movie well actually that's not true except between our two main characters um or, but they're there uh there's there's some bar action in this movie mark you said before we got on here and i i guess i'm gonna put you on the spot now you said that this is a quote very important movie yes in in regards to tom cruise's career because at this point, you know, he was hot off Top Gun. He he made a name for himself with with Risky Business. I know Legend didn't do too well, but it's adored now. Color of Money, he had the safety net of, of Paul Newman. But Cocktail, this was Tom Cruise. There was no fighter jets. There was no demons. There was no pool hustling. There was no, you know, uh, prostitution rings. There's just Tom Cruise as a bartender who wants to open a bar. And this movie made $77 million. And it, you know, if you inflate that, that's probably 150, 200. And it has, and it was critically reviled. So this is a movie that Tom Cruise early in his career, when he's making this shift towards adulthood in his movies carried and he carried it big. And so this movie kind of did two things is Tom Cruise does not like it when something doesn't do well. So he learned from it. He learned about the story. He wanted to make things more cohesive and then he also like taught, taught studios that like you can make a movie about him throwing bottles in the air and it pulls bank. So I think in regards to his career, it's super important for him as so, far as like a learning experience. So yeah, actually, I think you're you're selling this movie a little short, not in terms of quality, but at least in terms of bankability. According to Wikipedia, Marcy, this movie on a budget of twenty million dollars, I absolutely believe that number, and I'm surprised it's not lower. Um, this movie grossed $171 million worldwide. 
I read that. It's a lot of money. And so, so Mark, what you're saying is that basically this is the movie that proves that Tom Cruise can open any movie. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look at so many actors that we've seen try to get pushes and they just, you know, like Colin Farrell or in his career, Colin Farrell and SWAT, and it just doesn't open. Like, this is cocktail. This is, a, a, it's three movies. You had a dark script, then you had a rewritten script, then you had reshoots, and then there's three separate sections of this movie. None of it really works. This guy learns no lessons, but it made a ton of money, had a gigantic soundtrack, and he just carried it. So I think it, it was a, a nice litmus test of what Tom Cruise can do and how much people will pay to go see him, even if the movie is not really a movie. And <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's why I think it's so important for him I, in I, regards to his film like career. I think that's well said. So, And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of those things. We'll talk about the movie as a whole. We're going to talk about, of course, our co-star, Kelly Lynch. Um, we'll talk about the music. Oh, yes, we'll talk about the music. But, Marcy, as we usually do for these full movie reviews, we like to start with the IMDb summary of Cocktail. Ooh. What do you think, Marcy? One or two sentences? One sentence. You could vote for a half sentence for this movie if you want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. One... In my... Is my bias showing? One sentence. You're correct. Here's the plot of Cocktail. A talented talented Mm. New York City bartender takes a job at a bar in Jamaica and falls in love. Wow. They skip a whole bunch of parts. I feel like like that plot summary was written by ChatGPT if I said, (laughs) ChatGPT, write me a summary of the plot of Cocktail from the point of view of a six-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he doesn't get to Jamaica until 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised about that too. Like there is a lot of the beginning of this movie where like, I mean, I guess he has to learn how to become a flare, a, a flare bartender and that's entertaining, but it, it certainly does take a long time for them. One of the things I said to Marcy as we were watching this movie is like, I can't figure out what the plot of this movie is. I mean, like, I get it, but it it seems like a movie that just, like, I can't figure out who the antagonist is. Um, I can't, like, uh, all right. This was supposed to be like a Leaving Las Vegas type thing, the original script, where it's, you know, the guy who wrote this spent a lot of time in bars. He, he like, lived that world. And this original script by Haywood Good was a gold, I'm sorry, was just bartenders who were older, depressed. They time had passed them by. They still have ambitions, but they are celebrities at night when bars come in and they can flip the drinks, but their lives around them, you know, they're vampires. And so there's touches of that in this movie, but then they did all the reshoots and then they rewrote the script for Tom Cruise. And then they're like, Hey, let's add flipping bottles. No. So whoever you talk to Roger Donaldson or Tom Cruise, they figured that out about flipping bottles. And then it just became this Frankenstein of a film that it's easy to see why I had a good life on cable because nothing major happens and you can just walk in whenever to watch it. But that's why, like, I guess I understand it more now after researching it because it's such a Frankenstein movie that is so many different parts competing and you can see them all once you know about it. And that's actually, this movie's more intriguing to me now. It's Hmm. funny to hear you say that because I feel like, I feel like the dark side of this movie was somehow left in, in the character of Coglin. Yes, exactly. And, and the the light and fluffy character, obviously, like is is Tom Cruise, but like nobody, no, there's no synthesis. It's just two. So calling this a Franken movie 
is a really good description. So Marcy, let me, I'll just toss out a question for you and to Mark too, but like, so we watched this movie together about two weeks ago. I think, is, is it fair to say that you did not feel like this was a particularly great movie? Well, cinematically, absolutely not, but I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really enjoyable. And part of the enjoyment was also these kind of questions about why they decided to do different things, which, you know, artistically, you got to wonder sometimes where the inspiration was. And like you're saying, like figuring out that this movie went through re-edits and reshoots. And also the Kelly Lynch thing I read, she was a much more articulated character and then they just cut out all of her stuff. And so we didn't get any backstory about why this woman is, you know, so attracted to this random bartender dude and throwing her money towards him and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it has a lot of, um, yeah, rewatchability and kind of delight in the absurdity of it all. Which is much like Roadhouse, right? Oh, if, if you're attempting to equate this movie with Roadhouse, that, those are fighting words, Marcy. That movie's um, absurd, too. Yes, but it's absurd, but I think it at least is internally consistent, and it uh, knows what it's doing and is attempting to do what it's attempting to do. I mean, the first question I've written down in my notes is, is this a bad movie? Is it a so bad it's good movie or has it gone past that to the point where it's so bad that it's really bad? I, I vote, I vote for the latter of those three categories that I just think this is a really bad movie. I think it's so bad. It's good. Like I found it entertaining. What do you think, Mark? I think by Frankensteining it and what Marcy said, it's very rewatchable. And so by Frankensteining it, nothing really important ever happens. You have a character who's like, listen, I'm going to go to Jamaica. I'm going to save up money and I'll open up a bar. And then this is about a guy who goes to Jamaica, saves up money and opens up a bar and learns nothing. And so you can watch this on repeat because there's it's not like Platoon that just drags you through the gutter. You can just pop this movie on and let it play in three separate sections. So I think I don't think it's so bad. It's good because, I mean, you got Dean Semler, you have Roger Donaldson. I mean, Brian Brown adds a lot of gravitas to his character. I mean, Elizabeth Shue, for what she can do, sorry about the rhyming, I think creates somewhat of an interesting character. Tom Cruise, I think, is probably the weakest part of this movie. Oh, I thought the Conklin character was the worst. Oh, wow. We're not fans of of Brian uh, Brown on this this podcast. He just feels familiar to me, and sorry to jump on jump jump on you when you said that, but he's the sad bartender. I, I, yeah, his acting was so bad, though. <laughs> yes, but you know, <laughs> so, here's the thing, though. When I'm watching this movie, remember when Tom Cruise? I don't want to get into the whole conversation, but remember when Tom Cruise jumped on the couch and everyone made fun of him for getting hyper excited? Sure. Oh. You you see shades of that in Cocktail when he is dancing, when he's like play wrestling with Elizabeth Shue. I was worried for her health. Like he, he gets very, he's very manic in this movie. And like when he's clapping and pretending to have a good time, it feels so, so, so unnatural. And I've had to watch his entire filmography three times since 2018 for Rotten Tomatoes. I wrote an article about his running for Rotten Tomatoes in 2018 that he said was really cool. And then I wrote, I wrote, uh, I had to watch it again to figure out how tall he is in every movie. And then I had to watch it again for them because I, I went through all the stats and pulled jumping and hang time. So I've gone through his entire filmography three times since 2018. And this is the rare performance 
where he actually like lets loose like this and makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like when he's clapping and singing and like getting on bars, it plays so false to me. It's not who Tom Cruise is. And I think he learned from this because I've never seen this again, this type of like him dancing behind the bar being slick, maybe that rock of ages movie, but this one, he's not this guy in this movie and you can tell, and I don't know where I was going with all that, but it's just such a, I, I going through his entire filmography. This one stands out so much in regards to like the manicness and like when he's singing, like he, He's just not a cool guy, I don't think, in this movie. If I was at a bar that he was at or bouncing, I'd be like, I don't like this guy. So it's, I don't know. I'm just sorry. I went on a long tangent there. See, My apologies. Yeah, and I guess the distinction I would draw between a, like a movie like this and a movie like Roadhouse, I think they both, it feels like both of them suffer from, I would say, fairly loose hand on the direction. Um, but it really, I feel like it really comes out more in this movie where it just seems like there are parts of this movie where I'm just like, these parts of the movie were not put together. Well, (laughs) these performances were not great. And, you know, I, I, we're going to talk about Kelly Lynch um, because I, now that I've watched this movie and roadhouse, I haven't watched drugstore cowboy yet, but now that I've watched this movie and roadhouse, I think we need to have a serious discussion about, is she a good actor? Um, I I just feel bad for her in this movie. I kind of don't blame her because I, I sort of feel like maybe she was just not not given good direction. And maybe I'm going to say that for Tom Cruise, too, because I know that Tom Cruise can give good performances. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested um, to read that this movie and Rain Man came out in the same year. Am I correct on that? Yes. Did I find that? Yes. And yes. this one got the Razzie, and that one got, what was <laughs> the it, picture. the Oscar? The Oscar. Was that picture? Um, I grew up, I've seen Rain Man so many times. It was like one of the five VHS tapes that we had. Right. So we watched that one a lot. And, um, I love, you know, I grew up with that Tom Cruise and I thought he was a fantastic actor in that movie. And like, this is, you're right. It's a completely different guy within the same year. Um, and do you all have a sense then if this one came out before or after in the calendar year? So I'm oh, I don't know. I'm just going to guess that Rain Man came out in the fall. Um, this movie came out on July, July. 29th. This is this yeah. is a popcorn summer movie. And then Rain wow. Man was December for the Oscar. Yeah, for the for Oscar, the Oscar push for sure. And then the following run, he's in Born of the Year. He's falling year. He's in Born on the Fourth of July. So <laughs> this cocktail Rain Man and Born on the Fourth of July within a year. Like dude's got range, but Tom oh. Cruise. Tom Cruise does describe this movie as quote. Not a highlight of my career. <laughs> I think I think he's happy to to have this one sort of be largely forgettable as it is. But it's it's in the pop culture though. When he starts spinning the drinks, when he like when whenever you see somebody at a bar spin a drink, I bet you you're gonna think about cocktail. And whenever Kokomo comes on, you're like, oh hey, cocktail. It's it's somehow it's found a way to be. I don't know, ingrained in society. Like it's because it was on cable all the time. I don't know if you all ever watched this, but it was always on for some I've reason. I've only seen this movie once and it wasn't on cable. I feel like I only appreciate this movie ironically. Like we have a, we'll do a segment on this movie later on called The Cruise and Pit, where we talk about drink and food. And we talk about, we call our drink the, the cruise because Tom Cruise is the last barman poet um, from oh, the gosh. scenes from this movie, which are so bad. Oh gosh. If I was bouncing, I would pass out. Like that's so forced. 
<laughs> oh man it's uh, the only time i ever liked him is in this movie and i want to hear about Pitt. i'm excited for this and the eating but he um when he's talking to kelly when, when he's talking to elizabeth shoe about the nights and how he sleeps and how it's only a few waning hours i lived that life for a couple of years so i was like yeah yeah and that was like the only moment and then he slams her in the water and i'm like oh so like that's like the one moment i think he's actually pretty good in this film i, I enjoyed so i was I was enjoying this movie, sort of. I mean, you know, you get those first scenes in New York where he is sort of is told that he's never going to be successful. So he goes down to Jamaica, hooks up with Elizabeth Shue through random acts of kindness. And it, everything seems like it's going great. And then he has to just become like the agent of his own destruction. And then we launch off onto this second chapter where he becomes a kept boy. And at that point... He, would he have been fine if his old... <laughs> bartending buddy didn't show up yeah i think so it would have been fine this dude just goads him into going after this <laughs> random old lady and <laughs> and then everything is destroyed and of course elizabeth shoe is pregnant and of course she's super rich <laughs> you know it's like i i'd looked at you at one point and i was like that girl you know here's the plot that girl's gonna be pregnant you know i, I feel like there's a lot of 80s trips in this so movie. many um, I just like, love the way you broke down the movie. It's just so, when you when people really get in depth and explain this film, it just makes me laugh. Well, like yeah, it's, and then he and and then he leaves this older woman. There's that whole section of the movie. He leaves this older woman. Oh to, yeah. to redeem himself. I guess the the one part of this movie where I feel like I would give it credit is the fact that Jordan Mooney, who's the Elizabeth Shue character, does not just immediately turn around and, like, fall all over herself to come back to him. Like, that scene where she admits that she's pregnant is maybe one of the few scenes in the movie that I feel like is well-constructed and well-acted and realistic. When yeah. she soups him, I love it. When she hates cough, uh, like, she's just like, I don't like you. And then just, like, the, the more she fights back, and I told you that I was pregnant so you would leave forever. Like, she, <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's probably, yeah, those are probably the best moments, I would say. She does, she definitely does not just take back old Tommy, the old kept boy. What did like you call him a kept boy? Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if the it. movie had been allowed to proceed down that road, I feel like it probably could have been, it, it could have ended well. But but then we get to the, the Jordan's family is so rich subplot which which climaxes with it with him literally like fighting his way up and dragging her out like the graduate style and punching a guy in the face who's attempting to physically restrain her while she's very pregnant um like (laughs) it's insane i don't i don't even know where to start like the dad shouldn't even have a name he should just be called like horrible dad or stock stock Mm -hmm. 80s dad Mm mm-hmm Oh, I love it. He just has a fist, just has a fist ah. fight with a very rude guy who's like, if you're late again, you're not going to work here ever. Um, but it, but that's why this movie's fun, though, because it has a personality. It, it has three. It's three different movies. New York, Jamaica, New York, New York again. Like, yeah. And then, like, you know, he becomes a cat boy, but they break that off pretty amicably. Like, it's just it's it's the oddest film, but it somehow has a charm because it doesn't feel like a straight if this was a mediocre movie i don't think it would be watched so much but it's such like a an ex, i don't know it's an experience to watch like he's talking about three toed sloths and thousands of people are cheering him on it's uh it's pretty unbelievable i love it marcy i have a piece of trivia for you cuz we were laughing about this during the movie which has one of the most ridiculous sex scenes i've ever seen committed to film <laughs> um 
<laughs> Apparently, so this is with Gina Gershon, who's a well-regarded oh, actress. Yeah. There's a lot of, I think, good actors in this movie who deliver relatively subpar performances. And I think she's one of them. So she said in an interview that in that scene, Tom Cruise knew that she was extremely ticklish and tickled her so hard that they fell off the bed. And that's the take that winds up, winds up in the movie. Wow. That looked terrible. It was horrifying what was happening there. It was, wasn't it? He's yeah. not a, Tom Cruise is not a smooth he's, guy. He's like, not a sexy in any way, shape, or form when it comes to a sex scene. It's always cringy a little bit. That's, I, that's, what, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, as, as awkward as that scene was, like, it's not any less awkward than the love scene in Top Gun. I, I think maybe um, Scientology has ruined Tom Cruise's ability to deliver a convincing love scene on camera. And Vanilla Sky, too. Right? And Vanilla Sky is supposed to be like this super sexy guy. And you're like, get out of here, Tom. Like, you're not you're not <laughs> that guy. Like, he, he does Jerry Maguire well. He does, you know, Ethan Hunt well. But when he has to pull off those scenes, like, yeah, that tickling scene in bed with Gina Gershon, I was like, get off of her. Tom yeah. Cruise, leave her alone. <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah, stop doing that to her. <laughs> Are there... Are there any other parts of the movie that we found either a good or that we especially enjoyed before we talk a little bit about Kelly Lynch? So the bottle spinning, you know, that, that wasn't even in the original script. And if you do the math, all the bottle shaking that they do, there's only two bartenders in this place. So if there's 20 people ahead of you, you're probably waiting 30 minutes for a drink just because these guys are slinging around their drink so much. And also that means they're getting less tips like, I feel like good bartenders are the ones that are just knocking them out. Just boom, 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 boom. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Like, I'm not going to flip a bottle. I'm going to pour a shot of whiskey. That means I can get to the next person quick to get another tip. So I feel like, yeah, they're putting on a show, but people are waiting like a half hour, hour for drinks. And like, how long do you want to watch two bartenders spin bottles around? Like, it's just very, the math of it, like, you're not making much money. You're you're costing yourself money. And it's just such an odd thing. It's such... I don't know if I was, a, you know how long the line would get if I was working at a bar? Like, I think people would get frustrated by it. Was this a like, thing in the 1980s? Like, is this movie attempting to capture, and you were, you were a bouncer. I don't know. Oh, no. Time I, period. We, were, we were beer. We were just beer. So you just okay. pour stuff and crack but, bottles. Like, was, well, look at was flair bartending like a thing in the mid 1980s that this movie was attempting to ride the coattails of? They found some of it in, what, San Francisco. The director said he saw it. But there, I think it was just a very limited thing. Like, you couldn't do that in every bar. So I think it was I, – I think there's just a few bottle spinners. And like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the bar for a nice bottle spin. Like, But that's it. Like, it never took off. Also, the bar that they were in where they had their their breakup fight, you know, and you walk into this bar and it's like – if it had the feeling of like being in the Guggenheim, it's like everybody was around in a circle <laughs> on these different levels. And then you've got the guy that walks up the stairs and does poetry in like oh. this amphitheater setting. Like, does that seem cool? Like the only place that people can really congregate is on the bottom floor. And it's half filled with a bartending place with people flipping bottles around. The one, uh, dimension on which i'm willing to equate this movie in roadhouse is like in roadhouse it's just accepted that everybody knows the greatest bouncers in the entire country even though no offense mark nobody really knows the bouncers anywhere in the country um <laughs> none, none, like in this none. movie i'm just imagining that they think that like all across the country are people like wow i have to go to the cell block so i can see these two dudes that can do amazing <laughs> bartending yeah. like no that doesn't happen no you just want to go get a drink 
You really do. Yes. And, it, and and listen, it gave the movie flair, though. That's the thing. Like, everyone said it. Like, this this was not the plot, but we wanted to make... Because if it was just them pouring shots, it probably wouldn't be entertaining. And I'll also, too, like, between this and Coyote Ugly, like, two very bar-centered movies, like, I don't like... Like, they make this seem glamorous, bartending, but it's not. It's, like, it's tiring, and you're... And, and, like, any movie that makes bartending seem glamorous annoys me. I'm just going to say I, that. I enjoyed how Tom Cruise was able to go from, I'm so incompetent, I literally get concussed by the cash register, to <laughs> I have learned everything to be on your level, Coughlin, in about five minutes of film. He, he does it in one scene. The next day, he comes back, and he's got all those TGI Fridays um, waitresses, like totally in awe of him and tickled and they're just because he, he knows here because he knows the hand trick apparently yeah. that's how you get in good with all the members of the wait staff yeah and they're making less money because of him spinning bottles they're just standing there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the, the only way i could the, the only way i could see there being a business model for this is if somehow there's like a 50 dollars cover charge it's like yeah come in come in and watch the show and maybe you'll get a drink yeah. that's you know what? That's a great point. I would add like an ice illusion there. I would do some fire. Like I would Wait make up. it. I would go all out. I wouldn't you just would bring do, a poet. You, you would do what? I don't know. Like get some one fifty one and they're spinning around in a circle. You're saying words that are English, yeah, but I don't I, understand. I, them I know all those words, but not when you put them together. Like say ice luge. <laughs> oh, 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 so ice luge. Oh, you guys. Oh, so like pretend, I was in a, pretend we're people who actually go to bars. Okay, so I was like part of a big party culture at Florida State, and you, you would, we would get these ice luges where you get a huge chunk of ice, and then there's like a a little indent in it, and you take Jaeger oh. or whatever you want, and you just pour it. But I would do like really fancy ones that look like, I don't know, like Sonic the Hedgehog, where it's like going around in circles and they're doing weird stuff with it. Or like there's holes and they can do different mm-hmm. pours, add some lights, some blue men group to it. Or like I would get like 151, which is the actual flammable liquid with like the thing on the top. So you can't like pour too much, like have them like that, like have some fun with it. Not just not just, you know, flipping so this bottles. Is like a, a giant beer bong made of ice. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, you just do Jaeger down it, you do beer down it. You're right. Beer I, I guess I did miss out on a few things in college. Man. It wasn't great. I'm surprised. Like I played beer pong with the like gross beer cups. Like I'm surprised I'm as normal as I am still. I, be- <laughs> I bet after about the first hour, whatever's coming out of the bottom, out of the bottom of that thing is nasty. Well, it's good that alcohol is disinfecting, right? It's true. Yeah, we just poured liquor down it. We didn't do too much beer. Well, yeah, but the mouths that are probably wrapping themselves yeah. around the bottom are probably not. It was early 2000s. Anything went. Anything goes. <laughs> okay. Can, can we talk a little bit about Kelly Lynch? I feel um, so bad Who plays the role of Carrie Coughlin, the, I guess, super rich woman that just kind of shows up and falls in love with uh, Brian Brown. And, and wears dental floss. She wears, she wears a lot of outfits, let me tell you. Uh, a long bikini. Um, a lot with tassels. Of gold <laughs> lame. Um this movie, so this, Marcy, this movie comes out a year before Roadhouse. Oh. Um, and it's also going to come out a year before the movie we're going to watch for our next episode, Drugstore Cowboy. So she's got this, these three movies in a less than two-year period. So wow. just comparing Roadhouse to this movie, what are we left to conclude about Kelly Lynch? Can we conclude anything, or is it the movie itself that is sort of driving this thing? Because I'm not sure that she comes off very well in Cocktail. We know that a lot of her scenes got cut, so the cohesion of her story and her character development is just like 
not there. We don't really know that much about her. Um, and she kind of comes off very disjointed for me. I mean, she really only has one big scene, which yeah. is the scene where she tries to seduce Tom Cruise. Ugh. What am I supposed to do? Just have one guy forever? <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> it's it, it's not I felt great. Bad, did, did, I felt bad for her. Like, for, like, being an actor, and then you step on set, and it's just like, you got to wear this and then walk like this, put the camera pointing, and then we're going to cut all of your scenes. When you watch this movie in a theater, it had to have been kind of absolutely deflating because your character is is legitimately nothing in this movie and so i don't think i would blame her for it i don't think i would blame roadhouse too because roadhouse is filmed in such a way that it is the best worst movie it it, i can't even i'll just think of hair lighting on swayze for some reason when i think about that movie i enjoy her in roadhouse oh really oh well but I don't think she's a bad act, act, actress, though. Like, I just think the movie she was, was in, those two are just so bombastic that and they're not about her either. So, yeah, but this movie, this movie is, they could have gotten anybody, I think, for this role. I, I, they definitely cut a lot of her stuff. I mean, I'm trying to imagine what, I'm trying to imagine what the extra 15 minutes of, like, screen time they got. Like, would we assume that it's just the whole, like, subplot of her and Coughlin kind of getting together Probably. and then coming apart. Yeah. I don't think it's really, it would add anything to the movie. I don't Mm-mm. really w- feel like I would have liked to see that. It would certainly have probably made the whole suicide scene feel a little bit less from out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. And yeah. It's Cause He's opened up a bar, but he's like, I'm broke. But and I, it's a booming bar. And, and then he's she, gotten rid of all of her money. Yeah. Well, if they keep that bar open, though, what's the overhead on that? Like, they're going to keep bringing in cash, won't they? Yeah, but it doesn't it look like it's really kind of glitzy and like maybe they're trying to present a certain image. Oh, that's fair. They probably spent a ton of money, have a, expensive bouncers, yeah. valet. Yeah. Yeah. Would this movie uh, have been better if it was essentially two stories, not necessarily in parallel, but if we had really seen like the whole arc of Coglin and the whole arc of Tom Cruise's character as sort of like almost like foils of each other? Like, would that have made this a better movie or would it have been too much Brian Brown screen time and not enough Tom Cruise? Well, we have a moment where they have this decision to either go to Jamaica and try in three years, work up enough money to get, you know, get their money to open their special bar. So at that point, they could have split off and Coglin could have done his own thing in New York. And we could have seen Tom Cruise be successful in Jamaica and come back on his own to New York without this debacle down in Jamaica. And then they have like competing bars and they, they like have a battle of the bars in New York city. I think that would have been better, frankly, because then you have like two different bars that people are trying to do all their flair thing in. And, you know, they're kind of like, got a different feel because Tom Cruise is going to come back and he's going to have cocktails and dreams, but it's going to be like, he just imported Jamaica into New York city and Coughlin's going to have this like sleek, you know, New York city, everything's black and gray, but I don't know. I want that. I see this whole movie in my head and I love it. And I wouldn't have made as much money, but I want that (laughs) because like bartending, right? Like in Jamaica, 
people come and go. It's like you're cool there, but you're just cool because you're behind the bar and you're pouring drinks and then someone leaves. Like yeah. there's a whole – and then if you are a bartender in New York, people come and go. People, like when I was a bouncer, people came and went. So like you you have a lot of these relationships, but they come and go. There's nothing really permanent. And there is – for me, there's like a sadness about it. It's like this one, there's – it's just – yeah, I would like that better. I would. And Tom Cruise never fails in this movie at all. Like he's 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 like – he gets into a fight. He goes to Jamaica, makes a ton of money. And then he becomes a cat boy and he's like, I don't want to be a cat boy anymore. And then he would have opened the bar anyway, had it not, had he not been with Elizabeth Shue. Cause he would have just got the loan from his, his uncle anyway. So oh, it's yeah. like, he doesn't, he doesn't learn anything. See, well, I mean, you say he never fails. I feel like he fails repeatedly with no consequences. Oh yeah. I mean, but that's Tom Cruise in the eighties, right? Like that's the, the culture probably. I guess so. I guess so. Right. Yeah, they can't have too much reality in movies in the 80s, right? It's just got to keep on moving to the yeah, same they, tropes. They got <laughs> sick of that from the 70s, right? Because the 70s were like Taxi Driver and and Deer Hunter. And I think everyone just like, no more. Please give us <laughs> fantasy. Give us cocktail. Like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. This movie reminds me a little bit of Speed. Um, so, Mark, you were on Speed Movie Minute a little while ago. And... Like in the sense that speed began as this ensemble piece where every single person on the bus was supposed to have something special. They were all supposed to have like their own superpower and they were going to work together to save things. And then they start shooting and they realize, no, we actually have like two main stars and everybody else is going to have to sit in the back of the bus. This movie, I think, started off maybe as a bigger thing. And then maybe they were just like, no, you know, it's Tom Cruise all the time. Yeah. That, but that everyone said that's what it became. Like uh, the director read it and was like, "Yeah, this is what we're gonna do." Like the, it all changed when he came aboard, and then mm-hmm. the, they brought in the bottle flipping, and then they actually shot the movie, but it was too kind of depressing. So then they made it happier because, like you said, movies couldn't be too depressing in the '80s. So yeah, it changed everything. I think it, it kind of got speeded, didn't it? Like it cut the ensemble out. It cut out a lot. Like co- what? Co- Coglin? I mean, it, it seems like it must have cut out a lot of Brian Brown's time, and like you said, Marcy, it cut out a lot of. Kelly Lynch's screen time. Um, and it really just kind of revolves around Tom Cruise and uh, tangentially Elizabeth Shue. I think Elizabeth Shue is great in this movie. I'm just going to say that too. Like of the, of all the things in this movie that I enjoyed, I think probably her performance uh, was the, my favorite part of this movie. MVP yeah. for sure. Yeah. She's delightful in this movie. And you're right. She didn't just immediately say, oh, yeah, you're Tom Cruise. Like, we're back together. She, like, souped him. And I like that. I'm just watching the movie on, I have it just playing on silent next to me. And there's a scene where she first meets Coughlin at the bar in Jamaica. And I just love her acting here because she's like, this guy's a dirtbag. Like, he, <laughs> like, the way she looks at him, she's like, I don't like him. And I feel so bad, too. Also, like, they keep talking about his wife. Like, she's out there wearing a bikini for everyone to see. Like, you're on the beach. Like, what? <laughs> Like Tom Cruise, like he's like, yeah, she's out there half naked. Like, what? what I mean, she, should she be in a park on the beach? I don't really understand Tom Cruise's angle on her. Maybe here. women didn't wear thongs in that era, but I think they did anyway in the tropics. But like, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, like, it's Jamaica. Yeah. It's, What's she doing out there being half naked? Well, she's on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, apparently, if you go swimming, you can just like strip down and take everything off. So where? Yeah. That's the, that's that's the the love scene between Tom oh, Cruise and Elizabeth Shue. Right. <laughs> waterfall, waterfall. Oh, if, if you have a waterfall for protection. <laughs> oh, so there. Are, I, I I hate 
you guys are making me feel like I appreciate the moments in this movie more than I actually do. Like maybe I would go back and watch it again just for those moments. You should. The one, it's, it's, a, it's a weird movie. Did you? It, okay, we haven't. I, I keep bringing this movie. up. I keep bringing this up, but like, I, what did you feel about Tom Cruise just picking up Elizabeth's shoe? Like they had a wrestling match in the water. Like this hey, we're gonna really put, bothers you. We're gonna put it. We're gonna put the camera on you, Elizabeth's shoe, and Tom Cruise, and you guys are gonna be flirty. And I feel like it just was supposed to be flirty. Very aggressive. But it, but it turned I think into this a is wrestling just, match. I mean, I think this is just part and parcel of what we were talking about before that Tom Cruise has no game. And doesn't know how to actually seduce a woman. So, you know, if he if he can't tickle fight with someone in the bedroom, he's just going to, like, wrestle with her in the water. Am I remembering it correctly that Elizabeth Shue then, like, sweeps his leg out from underneath him and he falls flat on his back? She single legs him. Yeah. It's impressive. Oh, right. oh that's like, right, Marthy. We were it. talking about that. She's got She really got rattles. him there. Yeah. <laughs> like, give it to her. She wasn't like, I'm just going to let, I'm not just going to let Tom Cruise sling me around the water. I'm going to single leg this guy. But I'm going to take Ro- him down. Like, seriously, if Roger, if you had done that to me, like, when we were first dating, I would have been out of there. Like, this guy is too much. It's way too aggressive. Just well, flinging you around. She's no. she's very into him from the beginning though. It's it's very much I think an 80s style movie where just like she just like shows up and's like, "Yep, laser focus. That's the guy." After after he helps her friend, I don't know, like recover from passing out on the beach. And like Tom Cruise, I, I'm just thinking about this. He's surprised that she has money, right? But she is in Jamaica for an undetermined amount of time with other friends at some sort of resort like who with no money is able to do that like this woman has got to have some sort of funds supporting her just adventuring in jamaica for long periods of time yeah i I think we learned from those business school scenes that maybe um he's made not the not the tallest bottle on the bar like (laughs) He's like, he's like the bottle of Grand Marnier. Wait, is that a big bottle of Grand Marnier? He's a little slow. No, he's he's like one of those bottles um, the of, Cra- of Crown Royal. <laughs> that business school scene with the um, the professor like calling everybody out on how bad their papers were was just... That was triggering uh, for me as a teacher. It was just yeah. awful. It's like, what are you doing? But it's 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 very much of a piece of like, you know, watch yes. that and back to school. It's all yeah. like of that era. Yep. Yeah. Teachers are awful people. Breakfast club, all those. Yeah. yeah, the teachers in the 80s were gnarly. They were really bad. And then the 90s, they were like Michelle Pfeiffer and um, saving Tom, everybody. Tom Berenger, <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a swing. Yeah. What a swing. <sighs> I always tell my students that I'm not going to try. Oh, I'm not going to try to like um, Mr. Holland's opus them, and they never know what I mean. But I know yeah. what I mean, so it makes me happy. Or I, the I um, yeah, they're not going to get that reference. The Robin Williams. What was the movie with Robin Williams where you're he got not going to try the... to Dead Poet Society? Them? Dead Poet Society. Yes. Oh gosh, that'd be horrible. Just let me be. Stop. <laughs> Stop getting on desks. Just let me read. Well, let's see. Okay. So. Mar- Marcy, should we should we turn our attention to the cruise and pit, or would you like to talk oh. about the music now? Man, are we going to have to talk about that drink with the raw egg in it? We will. So, oh. so Mark, our next segment Gross. is something we do for all these movies called the cruise and pit, which now we can finally talk about where that comes from. 
uh, where we talk about the food and drink that we would probably pair with this movie. Um, and the cruise section is, is a tribute to this movie. It has been the whole way through, but now since Tom Cruise is the last barman poet. So Marcy, here it is for you. This is, uh, there's really only one choice, right? In a, in a movie with all kinds of drinks, I think we have to pick the red eye. Yep. Um, which, uh, believe it or not, is a real drink. So this is the drink that Coughlin um, mixes for himself uh, as sort of his hair of the dog. And uh, you can find all kinds of recipes for this out on the internet. Um, here's So here's one. Um, it's uh, You start with an ounce of vodka, and then you add 11, you add a can of beer, basically. And then six ounces of tomato juice, uh, and and that's the that's your standard red eye. It's basically just like tomato juice and beer with a little vodka as a kick. Now, in, in the movie, the extra kicker is add one raw egg, and according to Coglin, optionally add aspirin. Hmm. So, Marcy, what would it take for to to make you consume a red eye? I don't think so. Um, I I haven't really had any beer yet um and i don't think i like the taste of that so like adding beer and tomato juice together does not sound at all appealing to me what mm -hmm. would it take to get you to consume a raw egg no no thank you i don't know circumstances no i don't know that i would like that at all mark have you ever heard of a, of a drink like the red eye I mean, you know, I've heard of like Bloody Marys with, you know, you go to in the morning, you have a Bloody Mary to kind sure. of get you back in like the hair of the dog. But in addition to my health, I've had many hangovers, but I've never resorted to hair of the dog. It just always seemed counterintuitive to me. And, and I, I'm not I'm very wary of tomato juice. So I just <laughs> I, don't, I don't like I just... it. I don't trust it. I don't know why it's there. I don't want it. I don't want to drink it. I like a tomato by itself. Don't give me the juice. It's weird to me. I've read I that one of, one of the most popular drinks on airplanes is tomato juice, and there's something about being in an aircraft that makes it taste really good. I see. I think I know what makes it taste really good. It's the it's the tiny vials of vodka that people put onto the plane without telling people, even though you're not supposed to. Maybe. Oh. They're just making their own Bloody Marys. Yeah. Possibly. Like, I do ginger ale whenever I'm on an airplane. I don't even know why. I do cranberry juice cocktail. So oh, yeah. good. So good. You taught but me I, a trick on the last flight, Marcy, which is where you just tell the people, just give me the can. Ask, Yeah, you ask for it in the can, and then they give you the whole can and sometimes a cup with ice, but then you get, like, twice the drink. It's fantastic. Oh. Yeah, but no, no, no red eye for me. I'm sorry, y'all. Mm -hmm. right. Fair enough. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, our pit then, which is which is the food that we would maybe want to consume with this uh, movie. Marcy, why do we call it the pit? Because Brad Pitt eats everything in the movie that he's in, mostly in two bites, That's like right. a hamburger. Two bites, it's gone. So you know ever... I've watched all of his movies and counted every single instance of eating, and I pulled the calories for all of them. So I have a oh. cal calorie count of how much he's consumed throughout his career. Oh can my we, God, I love that. Can, can we find that article on Rotten Tomatoes somewhere? Is that where it, it is? It's, no, it's or on, is it on uh, Movie Stones and Flicks. Movie Stones and Flicks, yeah. Like, because that one's so random that they were like, yeah, we can't do that. I will, link, I will link to your article um, when we post this episode. And the it's one been that's big. It's, it, it keeps, so people keep using my data without messaging me. So sometimes I'll find a video with 50,000 views and I'm like, hey, man, can you, can you, or hey, whoever, can you please put my name on this article? But it's all, if you type in Brad Pitt eating, and like, I don't know, uh, just you'll find 
most of my stuff because those movies do better when he eats more. Yeah. One of my favorite um, eating scenes was in Ocean's Eleven where he's just kind of, he just eats so much. In Which that one? Movie. He's he's literally eating in the every hamburger. Scene. The yeah. hamburger just I think he, like. He walks out of one of the bars and he just like has a giant hamburger. And he's just like, oh, I love it. And I feel bad for him because if you make that choice as an actor, like you have to do that like, you know, 10 or 15 times in a row. The indigestion yeah. too. Remember when he slaps his chest and he's like, oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, speaking of indigestion, I don't have a specific food, but I feel like for a movie like this, the obvious choice is bar food. So I went out, I did a little research, Marcy, for you. Um, I found an article um, on a website called Thrillist that lists the best bar foods for every state. Um, oh. And I'm just going to read a few of them um, uh, in honor of, of you and our guest. And then maybe you can tell me if any of these sound good to you. So uh, for Connecticut, it was fried scallops. Uh, for New York, and I think New York is an obvious choice. It's buffalo wings. Um, mm. Mark, for you, for Georgia, it was boiled peanuts. Ooh. And for do Florida, you like those? yeah. You do? Yeah, wait. For Florida, it's um, conch fritters. Ooh. Um, Marcy, for Maryland, it's Old Bay fries. Oh. 100% endorse that. Massachusetts, your, your ancestral homeland, fried clams. Hmm. Uh, Get down with ma- that. Maine is poutine. Why Maine? That's a Canadian it's, thing. Because it's right next to Canada, I guess. Yeah. I would uh, give that to Vermont. That's fair. Mon- Montana is Rocky Mountain oysters. Hmm. Um, Those are cow testicles, right? Yes, that's no, correct. No, not yeah. bull testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not cows. Um, and last one, last on my list for, for here is from North Carolina, where I went to college, are hush puppies. Have any of you ever had hush puppies? Before? Oh, I love a hush puppy, yeah. I love hush puppies. You probably, I'm sure you had, had Mark, because you're from the South. Mm-hmm. I just had them for the first time when I went down to Florida last week. And um, I'll say I'm not a huge fan of that. Oh. Do you usually have them with a dipping sauce? Because I think that would have made it a lot better. I think just like a little, what would you put What would you put on your hush puppies? Mike? I just ate my hush puppies. Like, so hush puppy, normally... if done well, hush puppies are great. They're like, mm-hmm. they're like a corn muffin turned up to 11. <sighs> well, it was nice and warm and crunchy and crispy, but I, I really wanted sauce with it. So my Marcy, mouth is watering. Out of that whole list of, <laughs> of bar foods, which one would you pick? I like the the fried clams, like fried whole belly clams just are wonderful for me. But I would wow. probably try the fried conch any day, too, because that conch seems fritters. really good, too. What about yeah. you, Mark? Probably just fries, uh, the Old Bay fries. Old Bay, Old Bay like fries I, are so good. Like, I love poutine, but like, I don't know. If I'm at a bar, I don't want to be dealing with boiled peanuts. I don't want to have to, like... There's just a lot of sucking and slurping and just not appealing. <laughs> I'd rather just have fries. Like, I don't need people whomping down, you know, peanuts in front of me all night. So, yeah, I'm going I'm to do that. Just hit me up with some delicious fries. You get the carbs. You get the salt. Make you thirsty. Mark, I'm guessing since you've spent most of your life down there that you've been to a Bojangles or two. Oh, of course. That's how they get that. So, if you want to have Old Bay fries, just go to Bojangles because that's what oh. they serve you. All right. That's yeah, the, I've never even thought about that. The standard standard fry preparation technique at Bojangles. Oh, now I'm hungry again. Mm. <laughs> I don't do many. I don't do many fries though, y'all. Like I, I try to eat pretty healthy. Oh really? Yeah. See, uh, French fries are nature's perfect food. That's my favorite. <laughs> if I could eat only one thing for the rest of my life and health concerns were not a concern, they, it would be French fries. 
Poutine's so good too. When I went to Toronto, I had poutine no. for the first time. Oh. No. <laughs> poutine. Roger and I, we landed in a poutine festival one time when we were up in Montreal, and we both decided immediately it wasn't really our jam. <laughs> Maybe it just wasn't good poutine. Like we went, we the last time we went to Montreal, we went to a restaurant that just serves French fries. Um, and wow. there were like there were like eight different kinds of poutine you could get there. Mm-hmm. Mouth is watering. <laughs> I like my fries to be crispy, and then I want to dip them in stuff. So if I could have poutine, like gravy, and on the side, and the curds on the side, and I could self-assemble it, I think I would like that a lot. Oh, what I don't want deconstructed, like deconstructed. That's actually a really good idea. I don't want it all soggy, you know, because I want a crispy fry. Yeah. So. I don't like thick fries, I guess. Like, you know, those big fat fries. And that's mostly what is with poutine. But if you could give oh. me some thin, crispy fries with gravy on the side, I'm living the dream. Ooh, yeah. Yep, that's it. That's it. Put some Parmesan. Put some truffle on them. <sighs> oh, truffle oil is so good. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. We're sold. I'm leaving. Whole <laughs> day for me. All right, Mars, let's let's turn our attention to the parents' corner. So, Mark, this is where we talk, and you're a parent now. Um, this is where we talk about, uh, obviously, hopefully not right now, but in several years, um, you know, if, if this would be a movie that would be appropriate to show to your daughter. So this movie is rated R. Uh, Common Sense Media has this movie rated at 17+. Plus. Uh, kids say 14+. Plus. And I thought this was especially funny. Parents say no reviews. There are no reviews by adults of the movie Cocktail on Common Sense Media. What? Maybe because they love it and they don't want to write anything bad? No, that's not true. They're just not writing anything. So, Marcy, setting aside the fact that I don't think there's any way our children would last more than five minutes in this movie without turning it off. Do you feel like this? Do you feel like this movie earns its R? Uh, No, not really. I mean, like compared to R-rated movies right now, I think it is really tame um but you know there's some stuff and ways people treated each other in these movies that i would just prefer that my kids didn't have to see as this was seen as normal and so i it's just kind of like i don't know it's not egregious or anything but it's just kind of some of the stuff i just don't like it I don't like, want them watching that. The whole character of Coughlin, up to and including his incredibly gruesome suicide scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't go to bars, kids. Like, that, if you're going to do that. Do without it. Well, that's true. So, Marcy, maybe this is a good cautionary tale for our children that we should show to them before they go to college. Like, if you watch this movie, these are some of the things that happen to you when you go to bars. Yeah, right. I you should know. show them Leaving Las Vegas instead, because that <laughs> one's horrifying, and it has Elizabeth Shue. So... <laughs> That one will take you through the gutter when it comes to alcoholism. This one, this kid learns no lesson. So I wouldn't let Mallory watch this because he learns nothing in this movie. Yeah, this this movie teaches you that if you do all of these things, you cheat on your girlfriend, you, um, all of that will eventually lead to you being rewarded with getting her back, opening the bar of your dreams, and having living happily ever after. <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, oh but you'll have twins, though. That yeah, could be seen as a negative. Didn't Marcy? Did, did we not predict that? Like, it's like gonna be twins right before it happened. Of course, the cruise ego. We have to have twins. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Let's talk about the music. 
Um, we like to talk about in, in our segment called cinema jukebox. We like to talk about both the, both the score and the soundtrack. I think we're going to spend more of our time talking about the soundtrack. Um, I will just mention as a point of trivia, cause I find it to be amusing that this movie had a score written for it by Maurice Jarre, who's uh, I'm sure you've heard of Mark. He's a very famous music composer. Um, and it was, it was thrown out by the producers. Um, like, right before the movie was set to come out. And the person who ended up um, composing the music for this uh, movie, who's a person uh, named J. Peter Robinson, wrote the whole score in three days. <laughs> which which I, I 100% believe. Um, I, I don't even remember the score. I never remember the score. <laughs> Roger always pays attention to it for I us. I think it just has kind of like that, that bouncy 1980s feel to it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk, let's talk about the soundtrack. Um, I, I didn't realize until I'd watched this movie that this movie, this is where Kokomo comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, is this its debut kind of like it was made for this movie? Was um, it yeah. music made for the picture? Yeah. Cause this, this movie lost its best original song nomination at the Oscars to, of all things, a tie. Um, and these two songs. So Marcy, here's one that I, I know. I think you don't like very much. Let the river run by Carly Simon from working girl. Uh, Cause you don't like wow. Carly Simon. Not um, too much. And the other song that it lost to was the song two hearts by Phil Collins. Oh, wow. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Co- well, I like just thinking about, um, Kokomo and that we're in Jamaica and then it's singing about Jamaica. And then there's another song where, um, it was just kind of like narrating what's happening in the movie through song. Is it shelter of your love? Yes. By, yep. by Jimmy cliff. I like that yes. song. I think these are okay, but I would say that I kind of like it when music is a little more subtle and doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't tell you the plot of the movie as it's singing to you. We were joking about that in Roadhouse, where yes. like every time there was a major scene transition, it always coincided with the song, and usually the song told you what was about to happen. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! I I love literal songs sometimes, but they have to be like we know this is a literal song, like not <laughs> not like not like hey, we're gonna try to sneak this in here. It's when it's so comically literal to what's going on. Does that make sense? Like I like when it's like that, like Kokomo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this soundtrack it sold 5.5 million albums around this, uh, there. The soundtrack for this movie was amazingly popular. It was number 2 on the Billboard charts in the United States. Jesus. Wow. Number 1 in Canada, number 1 in Australia. Um like it was in the top 4 in like like a dozen different countries. What was Iceland it under? It. Why didn't it get to number 1? What uh, was it? What was number one? That's a really good question. If I had actually done some really high quality research, I would have the answer to your question. Um, yeah, the there, Dutch weren't that into it. It was 22. There were some, I think there were some cringeworthy scenes with music. Marcy, do you remember the scene with uh, Addicted to Love? Oh, gosh. Oh, tell me again. I'm That's the trouble. scene where Tom singing. Cruise is getting the audience to sing along to the chorus by repeatedly turning oh. the volume down to zero. No. <laughs> What are some other songs? Um, let me see oh. if any of these. Wait, was Dirty Dancing number one in 88? In 1988. Oh. Um, I had that. 
that's uh what would it be a cassette tape yeah. let's see i, I loved don't, it but I that don't addicted know. to love made me like he, he's trying to be cool but like it's just not they didn't do him favors in this movie i don't think i don't think they worked with him that much and beaches was a big album that year but i don't think they worked with him like mm-hmm. i i don't know am i crazy when he's doing that addicted to love did you think he was cool no <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't think I felt he was cool, really cool in any of the bartending scenes. He was working at a TGI Fridays. He was not cool at all there. <laughs> the OG TGI Fridays. And like, listen, I I feel like I I feel bad kind of hating on this movie, but I mean, it's just three movies in one, and I just. But I do think it's important for Cruz, though, because he's never done this before. Like, it's since this movie, I've never seen him do what he does in this movie. Like, I feel like he's he's very adaptable. So he's like, okay, that didn't work for me. So I'm not going to do that again. No. So at least it taught him one lesson. Yeah, I, I can't think of another sort of poppy, just sort of throwaway movie that he would do after this. Uh, um, I, I'd have to look through his filmography. We don't have to do that right now. Um, I'll just name them off one by one by one, and we'll <laughs> say yes or no. No, I'm joking. How many movies are there? In his filmography? Many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can. I'm looking at his data right now for all of his height. How many? I don't know. I have a lot. Let's see. I don't have a number for it. Yeah, I had to find out. His he's got. He's got movies. 50 credits in the IMDb, which is a lot for someone of his stature. Mark, not... uh, we know you've got to. Uh, we gotta. You gotta get out of here. Um, before we. Before we go, though, um, the last thing we like to do on these movie episodes is something called the Fix It Shop, where we each sort of try to pick out maybe one thing from the movie that we would change. Um, to try to make it better. So uh, since you're our guest, I won't I won't put you on the spot. Instead, I'll put Marcy on the spot. Um, Marcy, what what would what would you change it, if you could just pick one thing to change about Cocktail to make it a better movie? What would you pick? Well, I already gave you my plot rewrite, and so I I stand by that that we would have a war of the bars up in New York City, Jamaica versus the glitzy uptown. Fifth Avenue bar that Conklin is going to make for us. All right, that's but, fair. But the bar that um, Tom Cruise would have would be much like the Indian restaurant that Mara took me to years and years ago, where every square inch of the ceiling dangled with chili pepper Christmas lights. And so this would be much the same, except it would be like um, all things tropical hanging from the ceiling. Mm. All right. Pineapples. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll go next, Mark. Give you a little bit more time. Um, I would recast Brian Brown. Um, I don't feel like I feel like his performance could have been done by someone a little bit better. And so I'll give you a name because I've got here. We didn't go over these uh, uh, before, but I've got lists of people who are rumored to have been, you know, uh, which is it's always fun to look at these kinds of lists, but people who are rumored to play the roles that Tom Cruise and Brian Brown and Elizabeth Shue played. And the one I'm going to pick out for the character of Coughlin um, is Michael Caine. Mm. I would have loved to have seen Michael Caine. I mean, he basically looks like, They're, just like Brian Brown. Doppelgangers I, of each other. I think he would, as long as he's not bringing like his Jaws 4 energy, I feel like he would, I feel like he would do a better job in the role than what we got in this movie. Oh, um, Mark, what about you? Oh, I, mean, I would keep Brian Brown because he feels like a believable bartender. That's been there too long. Like he really does. Like when I watch him in this movie, he's, 
he's so full of it and like like he's like if you don't drink with me beers for breakfast like he he's just sort of pretending i think this is what he has in his life and he's just sort of content with it so i kind of like him in this i would i would just change it because like tom cruise has no nothing he does he he learns nothing really in this movie and he just floats by like i would rather have him be like this good looking guy gets a job in a bar money's good before he knows that he's been there two years like this that kind of thing and like oh man i need more like he because as soon as he starts here he's like i want more like that'd be good if he just got sucked into the lifestyle because you never see him getting sucked into it the after like they talk about going out afterwards but it's like him and gershon and brown like at the show ended up in weird apartments after the bar closes like different people show that like it's kind of an empty lifestyle it would be a completely different movie but that's what i want to see so yeah, I would just have him kind of explore the more like non-glamorous side of it because they never do that. So that's what I would like to see. You want to watch like the Wall Street of flair bartending? Yes, because it's empty. Like you're gonna, you know, how many places I got you. you, you like you, you, it's true though. You're hyped up, so you have a beer. And like, hey, where are you guys going next? I right, let's go back to this place and watch music videos at four a.m. Like you, you could go home and sleep, but instead, like you live this weird cycle. But they never show that. They only tell you that. Like, this is a movie where I think you sort of, like, it's never going to do it, but it, it is this, like, rinse and repeat that's really empty for a while. And it's not great, And then, but they never show that. And at the end, he buys a bar. You know how busy he's going to be and how stressed out? And there's, like, so many liquor laws and, like, they're never, like, the paperwork. Uh, I don't know. They never get into it. And everything's too easy. So just, you know, it, it, it is worth pointing out that other than meeting Elizabeth Shue, you could cut from the scene in the business school to the last five minutes of the movie, and nothing you would cut would have had any negative impact on the plot. Oh, yeah. It's like I went to business school. It didn't work out for me, so I got a loan from my uncle and founded a bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's right. But I don't know if anybody would watch this movie, but that's what I want to see. I I like your idea of actually sort of setting up him getting into the life and then Coughlin becomes like the real antagonist. And then he has to like, you know, uh, Tom Cruise's character, Brian has to like regain his morality and then somehow come out smelling clean on the other side. Because like Coughlin, what he does with him with Gina Gershon and then like he's like, oh, she would have dumped you anyway. So he picks her up and then he's. He's talking about breaking up other chicks and then like he's just trying to make his life miserable. Like he's very antagonistic and not a good human being. But like, it's not carried through like it yeah. but they don't follow through on that. Mm-mm, never. No. Never. That's why I say this isn't a good movie. It's just watchable. <laughs> it had potential. Maybe yeah. like 15 years from now. I don't know if I have a whole lot of hope based on the stuff I've been hearing lately about the new roadhouse. But like this is a premise that could easily be remade now with you know in and we don't have time right now to like figure out who would be in that in that remake but like this the, the spine of this movie could potentially be a good movie i mean shoot if you're making 200 bucks a night 300 bucks a night 400 bucks a night just bartending like you're gonna stay there for a long time but it's not gonna be the best life like i, I think that's interesting so show me bar culture i don't know don't glorify the bar but too many yeah. movies have done like cheers i what a horrible lifestyle <laughs> Not the movie that we got here. Well, <laughs> we know we know you have to go. Um, any anybody have anything else about um, about this cinematic classic that they they want to chip in before we say goodbye? Marcy, what about you? I don't think so. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Mark, mm-hmm. what about you? 
I'm, I'm really happy I got to explore it and learn why it is because I had never really dug into it that much. And also just it really gave me a great frame of reference for like Tom Cruise's later antics because I'm like, I saw this in cocktail. Like, it's not that surprising. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's mine. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mark. We really appreciate it. Um, can you, before you go, can you remind all our listeners where they can see and hear you on the internet? Well, I was just on a great show that's really great. It's called the Speed Minutes Minute. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I did five minutes on that. And then, yeah, Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, Con Air, the podcast, and the movie Sons of Flicks. You can go check all that out. And I will heartily recommend to you Con Air, the podcast, which I was on for about two and a half minutes that somehow got turned into about an hour. And so I'm looking, I am hopefully by the time this comes out, you'll have had a chance to listen to that too. And it's very entertaining. Um, Yeah. We can milk stuff for a long time. For sure. Well, and thank you all once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Uh, Please, if you can rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app, come and join us on Facebook at the new double deuce. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at RH Minute, and you can email us at Dalton says be nice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye.